Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to United Hour. Oh, I've fucking forgotten what it is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is Manchester United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Manchester United has produced the impossible. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Alex. And I'm Jimmy. Yeah, three of us on over here, uh, recording soonish after the match has finished, uh, quite a calm down after last week's party time mm. on the first day of the season. I mean, uh, Alex, me and you were at Old Trafford, right? And uh, it was a great day. And, you know, we were reveling. People start going on about, yeah, title going on for that and everything. And, yeah, obviously, quite a drop down from that today. Um, I mean, yeah, what are your immediate thoughts from it? <sighs> Yes, a bit of a reality check, isn't it? I mean, it's a shame that I wasn't on last week's podcast <laughs> when uh, everything was, was gravy. And, and this week, yeah, we've just had a bit of a reality check. I think there'll be a, a bit of a knee-jerk overreaction from some who would put a, a lot of stock in one performance and one result. And, you know, similarly seeing last week's game and saying United are going to win the league this week, we'll be saying this is exactly why we can't which definitely shouldn't be the case. These results happen, these performances do happen, particularly early in the season where we haven't got full match fitness, match sharpness, where we're bedding new players into the team and and aren't yet starting them and also have some big players who aren't in the team. But I will say that to come away from such a fantastic result against Leeds and be in a position where we could really cement ourselves near the top of the table over these next four or five games where we had a relatively good beginning to the season in terms of fixtures, I would say. It's it's a real shame to to not be really pushing that and trying to um, set ourselves up for a better season after such a poor and slow start last season. So, you know, the game itself in isolation, you know, it's really disappointing, but it's more that we came from what should have been something to really set us up with tons of momentum. And we've already halted that train and put the brakes on. And and I took a little bit of a look at 
our history over the last few seasons. And it's quite interesting, actually, where United have scored four or more goals in the league or in Europe in the following game over the last two seasons, and then including the start of this one. Um, for 14 games, we've won five, drawn six, and then lost three. So following one of those big wins, our win rate is actually only 35%, where our usual win rate under Ollie is something like 55%, and in recent seasons, probably higher than that. That's just really disappointing that there's clearly, I don't know, it feels like there is some complacency and, and maybe we do believe in ourselves a little bit too much after those wins and maybe we, we aren't able to get ourselves back down to earth and in gear and really focused on that next game. It, you know, it feels like that's a pattern and a trend now when, you know, for 14 games, we've only won five of the following games after those big wins is pretty disappointing and, and yeah, this was no different. It is interesting, those stats. Um... I, you know, I don't know how much you can read into it, but yeah, there's obviously some kind of pattern there. I mean, sometimes I kind of say, oh, after you have a big win, you know, you I would have preferred to beat Leeds kind of 2-1 and then maybe one of those <laughs> yeah. other chances would have gone in today. Uh, you know, do you get the rub of the green two times in a row? Um, but yeah, look, yeah, it's difficult to start reading a lot of things into that. I mean, if we actually look at kind of the match in isolation, uh Start back at the actual starting lineup. You know, we had the chat on the pod last week about should Ole change a winning lineup or should he stick with mm. what he went for? And most of the talk was should Sancho and Varane come in? And I kind of said, look, I think there's very little chance of Varane coming in. But yeah, Sancho maybe can start. Uh, in the end, there was two changes, Matic and Martial. Uh, looks like Matic was kind of forced, Ole said. McTominay had maybe a bit of a niggle, although he did come on later, so he obviously wasn't mm. totally injured. And then, yeah, Martial's just preferred kind of uh, with James coming in. I was not that happy about that and said that pre-match that I thought Mason looked sharp last week and I thought Martial should have to like fight for his place and not just be coming straight in there. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jamie, how did you feel about that starting lineup? I was disappointed as well with um, a couple of the choices. I think the McTominay one, being enforced was fair enough. Um, but yeah, the Martial decision to include him disappointed me because, as I said, I think last week Greenwood put in a very good performance in the number nine role. He was allowed to move between the left and right flanks as well. He wasn't necessarily tied down to the central position and he done very well, and it frustrated the Leeds defenders as well, the fact that he was constantly moving around. So I was just expecting this is to just see him up front again. So to see that he had been moved to accommodate Martial, I was disappointed by that and felt that uh, Martial was going to have to justify the inclusion, not, maybe not by scoring a goal, but certainly by putting in a good performance just to show that Ollie was right to trust him to start that game in that position. Um, the Sancho exclusion was a bit weird as well because I appreciate he's a new signing, but he's came on last week. He's played in the game behind closed doors earlier this week and I just expected him to start. He might not have played the full game, but I did expect him to start. So to see him excluded, and especially after James being rested as well, was kind of disappointing. And even the Matic one, I get that it was enforced and I get that he had to make a change. I just wasn't comfortable with the fact that it was Matic that was going to be starting the game because I just thought yeah. that's going to put us on the back foot a little bit because for for all that Southampton aren't the same team 
this year because they've, they've sold a few players, they've lost a few players. They play the same way, that high, intense, pressing energy all over the pitch. And for a fact that everybody seems to have spoken about for the last week, the fans are back in the ground. This is Southampton's first game back at their home ground. So you just knew the start of this game was going to be fast and furious from them in terms of they're going to be pressing all over the pitch, everywhere, trying to hunt the ball down because they're going to have their fans on side cheering them on. And just seeing Matic on the 11, I thought, I'm not really comfortable with that. The rest of the team, I thought, was fair enough. And I agree with you, Nick. But I, didn't, I never expected Varane to start. Not a chance. I expected the back four to be the same. But yeah, two or three of the decisions were weird. It says a lot that with no Rashford, no Cavani, Sancho hasn't yet started for us, is lacking match fitness, and you know we haven't really seen him in the Premier League, that you're still, we're still disappointed to be seeing Martial in that lineup. Like I think that says a hell of a lot, that with two of our leading strikers injured and not in the team, and one of our others only just coming in and not quite being ready, that we still wouldn't expect him to start. And I think that says a lot yeah, about it his position at the club and, and whether he should really be here, like at the point that we can't trust him. And yes, a game where Southampton are up for it because they've got their fans behind them, but a team who had the second worst defence in the Premier League last season and and haven't done a great deal to change that this summer. You know, if we can't be trusting him in this game, then when can we? And they've sold their best defender literally last week. So that's so that's like really disappointing. And then just in terms of like the start of the game though, with the fans being back in the ground, we... I thought we handled that really well. Like maybe the first minute or two, you know, they had that free kick, didn't they, early and, and whatnot. But otherwise, for the first 15, 20 minutes, we, you know, really seemed to take control. We were pretty comfortable in possession. We won some, um, you know, good set pieces and then actually seemingly had great set piece delivery out of nowhere. I think the set piece coaching that we've been doing, um, you know, looks like it's paying dividends, at least in terms of the delivery of the ball, maybe not in converting actual chances. But it felt like we handled that pretty well. We couldn't. I, I wasn't really hearing the Southampton fans come through on the TV. I was more hearing the United fans. It's something that Ollie had referred to um, in his pre-match too. And I think around the time where Greenwood got that elbow in the face and you know the ref pulled the play back, that got both the fans and a couple of Southampton players geared up. And that 20 to 30 minute mark, you just felt like the screw started turning and they started, you know, building that momentum. And and after the first 20 minutes of actually keeping the fans quiet, it was really disappointing that we kind of just let them move up the gears and build back when really we positioned ourselves really well to go on ourselves and, and take control of that game. No, I mean, I thought we were absolutely comfortable until they scored. There was, you know, nothing like we were playing better. Uh, we'd had the better chances, even if they were from set pieces. They'd had nothing. They'd had very little of the play. They hadn't had any shots on target until they actually scored. And in fact, that wasn't even a shot on target. But Nick, in that five or so minutes before that goal, they were moving up the pitch. They were getting yeah, on. Yeah, just from having none of the ball whatsoever, though. You know, I wasn't worried in the slightest until all of a sudden they get a goal. Um, and yeah, like I said, they hadn't had a shot. Um, at all until they actually scored and that actually wasn't on target in the end which is why it's gone down as a Fred and goal unfortunately I mean uh, if we talk about the goal I mean I, I only after the match says that he thinks it's a foul and that the goal shouldn't have stood I personally yeah. don't think it was a foul no, or definitely not an absolutely not a blatant one and personally I prefer 
how VAR is going this season, where they're letting a lot of things go. They're not pulling every little thing back. And I, to be honest, prefer that, even though, you know, there is a, it's like a 50-50. There's a bit of an argument there, but it wasn't blatant in the slightest. Bruno should be much stronger there. There's no way he should be pushed off the ball that easily and then just be there like, you know, on the floor. Ultimately, he's, he's playing for the foul, isn't he? Ultimately, he's playing for the foul in our half. and He's trying to relieve the pressure. Yeah, but when you're doing that, you are opening yourself up to them winning the ball and taking away from you. And I think Nick's right. You know, Bruno wasn't quick enough. He was asking for it, but then didn't shift the ball as yeah. well as he should have done. And I, I, you know, I think I wouldn't have said it would have been a soft foul, but you know, you wouldn't be bothered either way, given or not, for me. And you know, it's only that there's this real focus on it because they went and scored from it. But personally, you know, if, if that was us who were winning that ball, I would think that's a fair challenge. We see that sort of thing from McTominay yeah. all the time, and I would expect the ref to carry on with it. So. You know, I think we were, you know, the architects of that goal and giving the ball away so cheaply when really we should have been clearing up the pitch already. We were kind of dallying around around our box and then it was cleared to Bruno and rather than him, you know, getting it forward, he was trying to win that foul and, and you know, didn't execute it well. And, you know, and, and then it was... I don't know if there's like huge blame on any one person after that, but it just felt like it was quite weak. We weren't urgent. No one was really urgent to get to the ball to... Um, you know, win that ball back. It, it was a fairly loose, flimsy leg from Fred. I think he probably could have done better, to be honest. But it was half-hearted, you know, wasn't it? More than anything, just, just all round though, like the whole yeah, the defending from the there team. Was, yeah, once Maguire we lost that ball. and Fred, I think both could have done better over there. Um, but yeah, like you say, not really like saying it was awful from either of them. You know, they shouldn't really have been in that position with the ball coming mm-hmm. in. Uh, I mean, there was a few times where Southampton quarters like that because of the press and, you know, we didn't keep the ball well enough. It happened several times in the match and was one of the kind of disappointing parts of it. Uh, but as I said, like early on, I thought we were the better team. We looked comfortable. Uh, yeah. You know, we missed chances. Yeah, we just to talk actually about, you know, you pointed out that we had some good set pieces and we have actually bought in this new coach who's supposed mm-hmm. To be a set piece specialist, Eric mm-hmm. Ramsey uh, previously had been at Chelsea, and yeah, I think already you can see that there is some kind of difference going on there. And we were pretty unlucky not to score there, especially there was the one where you know the ball kind of comes through at the back post, and there's kind of Maguire, uh, who's and the two of them kind of get in each other's way, not to put it away, basically. And you know, one yeah. of them should go in. Pogba also had a pretty good chance from a set piece, so there was definitely chance. And yeah, we're looking solid at the back as well. You know, this was one of our biggest issues last year was giving away goals from set pieces. And in fact, I think we gave away a goal against Southampton early on in that match from a set piece. So yeah, it does look like the kind of, you know, coaching has been improved there. Uh, They also brought in this other guy, John Cochran, who's a kind of young up and coming coach who'd been working with like the England youth teams and he's coming as well. So yeah, Ole is trying to build that kind of backroom staff a bit. Uh, Obviously it's going to be a bit of time till we start seeing what difference that makes. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, switching back to the game, like I say, I, for me, the biggest problem first half, as we said, for me, was Martial. And 
we've talked about him starting here and whether he really deserves to start. I mean, I always like to look at, you know, number of touches and possession stats. And Martial had the lowest number of touches of anyone on the pitch. He only had 10 touches in the first half. And considering that we had something like 65% possession, possession compared to them at like 35, for him to have the lowest amount, even less than their strikers, is awful. And never mind the fact that he had 10 touches and 50% of them he gave away. So there's only actually five touches of any use in the whole half. Um, and yeah, look, you know, it's like we said, there was one more kind of chance for him. He had an absolute awful write-off of the season last year and he's not started this season any better. Uh, so yeah, I don't really know where Martial goes there. I mean, I'm assuming Cavani is back in the squad by next weekend. I thought he might have been on the bench this weekend, but yeah, he should surely be back in by then. Uh, you know, we saw Varane come in on the bench and Bailly drop out. Lingard was also back on the bench. He wasn't last week. And Brandon Williams had been the week before and has now gone out on loan. So, yeah, slowly, slowly, we're getting towards the squad we expect to see. But, uh, you know, we're still not there. And we've dropped two points over here. I mean, the, and then the others, obviously, were taking a lot of stick. I know from our kind of group, midfielder, um, there are a lot of talk about the midfield. Matic, Fred in particular, Looking at their stats, you know, they were lower than they should be. Fred down at 75% accuracy, Matic as well, 79 Pogba down at 70 And, you know, you're expecting a lot better from all of these players. And that is down to the success, I guess, of Southampton's press, really. Fred's such a weird one because, it, you know, put him against Man City and he's incredibly comfortable on the ball and press resistant as well as, you know, being combative and winning the ball back and, and whatnot. And then put him against a team like Southampton and he can just become erratic and all of a sudden look so prone to the press. And it's it's just a bit bizarre to me. There just isn't that calmness and composure and consistency in his play in that position. And we've said before multiple times that him and Matic just does not work. I don't know what it is because on paper, I would expect them to work quite well, to be honest, because Matic wants to sit deeper, spread the play, keep things ticking over. And... Fred can be the one providing the energy and being a bit of a terrier and, and but it just doesn't. It just doesn't and it never really has done and it's been an issue for us before. They just do not work. And once Bruno lost that ball and we conceded that goal, Fred and Bruno just kind of lost their heads a bit and for the rest of the game were sulking, feeling sorry for themselves, feeling that couldn't win a foul and that we were getting nothing from the ref and they weren't focusing on their game. And for me, Fred's play just became incredibly erratic and then Matic was the usual concerns that we have with Matic really, if we're in control of the ball and, you know, it's okay to take our time and be, you know, and, and have some luxury in our play, then great. But when we've got a team who are pressing us and, and pushing us and hounding us, that's that's not what we need anymore. And against a four four two with midfielders who are who are getting up and down, you know, his sluggishness was just a real problem for us. And and I do think that caused a lot of concerns. The other problem was that um with Martial being bullied by their centre-backs and not really being able to handle the the aggressiveness, he started pulling to the left, as he naturally does anyway, but even more so. Without Dan James from last week, there was no real natural width. And, you know, that meant that Pogba and Bruno, I mean, Pogba still had a good game, but otherwise it just felt like we were all a bit of on top of each yeah. other with no real outlets on the sides. And yet, when they were pushing the ball through the middle... It wasn't quite clear who should be on who or who should be where, and we just seemed really disjointed in, in our defensive shape. And see, I, you know, I don't know what it is about Fred and Matic, 
maybe it is because one's deeper than the other, whereas um, Fred and McTominay, basically they just, one takes the right side, one takes the left side, up and down, both in defence and attack, and it's quite clear and obvious, but Matic and Fred just doesn't seem to work, and um, they weren't creating chances, but it still felt like they had it quite easy, both defensively and moving forward. We just seemed disjointed and, and just off the ball, off the pace. Alex, you make a good point about McTominay and Fred, though, because I immediately thought that even when we played against Leeds last week, and for all the stick that McFred get, it's not it's not uber defensive for me. It's just two midfielders just sitting in the middle of the pitch and let the other guys in front of them do the attacking work. Whereas the minute it's Matic and Fred, as you say, one's far too deep because I just I don't understand why. But all the time when Matic plays, he's constantly dropping on top of the two centre-halves to go and pick the ball up from them. He doesn't need to do that. He does not need to go and stand between Maguire and Lundelof looking for the ball. And and especially when we're 1-0 down, that just slows us down far too much. I've written down about three times in my notes from watching the game, need to speed play up because it was so slow and pedestrian at times because Matic was dropping so deep to go and get the ball as you say, Fred was so erratic, was just giving the ball away, just just losing his head at times as well. And I must be a broken record for listeners because I've said it ever since I come on the podcast, but the standard of passing at times from the midfield is atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. I don't even mean incisive passing to get the attacking uh, outlet forward. I just mean in general terms of possession. The, the, the passing again at times today was just was defied belief. And it says it all that McTominay gets one injury, a calf injury where he's told, uh, sorry, we're told all they can do is play 20 to 20 minutes to half an hour in this game. That's the max we can get out of him. So the default midfield then is Fred and Matic. I don't understand why we're so refusing to not try Van de Beek in that position because I don't understand why if one person gets injured, it's, it's immediately Matic is in midfield. Van der Beek might not work out in that position, fine. But you're not going to know unless you actually try him there and try a different combination in the midfield. We know exactly what we're going to get with Matic and Fred. We know it's not going to work. We know it's going to be a struggle. But this refusal to try anything else in the midfield I, I just don't get it. And and I've written down again, buy a midfielder. If we're not going to play Van der Beek there, we've got a week. Just please go and buy a midfielder. Because that today just shows you exactly why we need one. Because we cannot be going through the whole season where if one person gets injured, we're scratching around and it's Matic and Fred or Matic and McTominay or whoever in the midfield. We need a high quality midfielder. I mean, it's true that Matic and Fred don't seem to work well together. And I think one of the reasons actually is as well is that, you know, when it's McTominay and Fred, McTominay plays on the left side. And today, Fred is moved to the right side. He doesn't seem that comfortable because even for Brazil, he plays on the left side. But obviously, Pogba is playing a more kind of left midfield role. So, yeah, he's locked in over there. I do understand, Jamie, what you're saying about Matic, but they're dropping very deep. But at the same time, you know, a lot of United fans have been calling us to play with one holding 
defensive midfielder and to be having more progression from the other midfielders. And that is a bit of kind of what was going on today. Uh, almost, you know, a lot of the time it looks more like a kind of 4-3-3 rather than that 4-2-3-1 that we're used to, where Matic is very much the holding player and Fred is given a bit more license to push on. Um, and then Pogba maybe is not as advanced as he was last week when he's kind of a pure attacking player. Um, so, yeah, there is a bit of difference there. I mean, I will say that second half, Pogba definitely did step up and played a lot better. I mean, as I said, I was look, I look at those kind of stats of passing accuracy. And in the first half, he's at like 70%. And in the second half, he's at 90%. So it's like a massive step up from him on keeping the ball better not losing it and you know it's making the difference there basically obviously you know he's had the assist there as well giving him like five assists in two matches um but yeah it, uh, Matic in you know in a way he is that only one we've got that can be the lone holding player and I do understand why a lot of people are still saying we need another one I mean I've still been arguing you know who is the one we can get who is actually realistic who is available uh you know people talk about neves i don't know if he's good enough uh you know rice they're talking about 100 million which is crazy and so yeah i don't know who's out there who really is going to make that difference but i do definitely agree that donny van der beek is now becoming bizarre like Last season, I was disappointed, but you kind of say, all right, first season he's in there. You know, this summer we had this whole narrative that he's been really working well. He's bulked up to be ready for playing a kind of more battling midfield role. So, yeah, I mean, if it's not now the time, then, yeah, when is it going to be, really? And he wasn't brought on, yeah. either. Yeah. And it, fe- it felt like he definitely could have been brought on today and, and could have made a difference. And in fact, yeah, we didn't look, we didn't make any changes at half time. To be honest, I I thought the only change he might have made was to take out Martial. I did not expect any changes in midfield, even though I know a lot of our fans were calling for it. And in, in the end, it's actually Southampton who made the change and went for the full bus parking took out a winger Walcott and brought on another centre back and went kind of five at the back. So we knew exactly what they game plan was after being one up at half time. And I think I'm right saying Southampton gave away the most points last season from kind of winning position. So I guess this is what Hassan Hunel had decided was their best way forward. Um, and, you know, the second half we I actually don't think we started amazingly, but we did manage to get that goal, uh, you know, relatively early on. And you kind of felt from there that, you know, surely we're going to be the ones who go on to win it. Um, You know, it was the 55th minute where it's a nice little move. Pogba very involved there. Bruno getting a touch and Mason finishing it off. Um, And from there, you surely thought like, look, we are going to now go on and win this game. Right, Alex? Yeah, I'll be honest. I was similar to you just before that goal. I I was really disappointed in how we'd come out in that second half. I mean, even as we were walking off the pitch at the end of the first half, Bruno was still moaning to the ref. Like he clearly hadn't got that goal uh, out of his head, that tackle out of his head. And it felt like we really needed to get the players off the pitch, get them in the dressing room and refocus on what we needed to do. And I was convinced that we would come out in the second half and, you know, really be knocking on the door and, and battering it down. It felt a bit like that goal came out of nowhere to me. Like, I, I actually thought that Southampton were continuing in the ascendancy, to be honest. But once it did, you think, great, that's the turning point. That's what we needed. We, we've now got ourselves back into the game. Southampton have already made the change, which is, is going to see them settle back and you'd expect us to really kick on with confidence at that point because 
in the past it was more the longer it went on that we didn't score the more and more anxious that we would get and more hopeless that we would get in in our ball play and and our ability to create you know we just start knocking balls up trying to be a bit too direct taking part shots but you know we're getting a goal with a good half an hour or so to go there was every opportunity to really kick on Pogba Fernandez trying to get it back to Pogba it's Greenwood who strikes and Manchester United are level it's taken them nine minutes after the break to get back on terms but Greenwood comes up with the goods. What's really disappointing is that actually after our goal, I think we had five shots to Southampton's three and only one of our shots was on target after that point. And, you know, if I know you're a big fan of XG, Nick, which I have some questions about, but the XG for the game was 2.15 to United and 0.62 to Southampton. But what I find really damning is that at half-time, the XG was 1.7 to 0.16. So even though we entered that second half a goal down and then we only got ourselves one goal and, and we're drawing, you know, for the second half, we only created like half a half a goal's worth of chances and I think Southampton were like 0.4. So that we became so cumbersome in our play after that is so disappointing. And, and you could say that that's some potentially some tiredness and match fitness. Our legs started to tie 60 minutes onwards, but then why weren't we making yeah. a few more substitutions? Why weren't we making that third sub a, a, a little bit quicker? And yeah, there was just a real lack of urgency. And it was only Pogba that was really doing anything with, with Greenwood now and again as well, but no one else was really up for it. And they just it just felt like there wasn't that urgency to go and get that second goal. No one was taking accountability to try and make something happen. No one was just really doing much. We weren't taking shots we weren't creating chances we we weren't getting to the byline all that was really happening is we were either giving the ball away or giving it to Wambasaka to do fuck all with they just let him have the ball I swear to God and then that's what that's what opposition teams do they, they'll happily let him have the ball put across in take it take it up the uh, to the byline like teams don't tend to press him when he's on the ball that's the player that they want to funnel the ball to and have on it as often as possible. I just found that second half, and particularly after getting back in, it's so disappointing that we didn't turn the pressure on and turn the heat up. Just super disappointing. Yeah, it was really weird how after scoring we didn't push on, because especially like, you know, a few minutes after scoring, Ole makes the change that we all wanted. Martial comes out, Jaden Sancho comes in, and you're like, right, this is it. You know, how, how many are we going to score now? Um, but yeah, you're right. We just didn't create much at all. Um, yeah, the XG shows that. You know, at the same time, the XG does show that we should have won this game, but it is based more on kind of chances from the first half rather than from second. And our last kind of 20 minutes or so was absolutely awful. That is absolutely sure. Um, like you say, you know, Sancho came in. Uh, he did not have that much of an impact. Um, you know, there was a few little touches, and there's one time I remember on the left side where he did get past his man. And not really, it, but I think it would be unfair to expect him to, though. He's, you know, he's just got to the club. He's not yet played for us, other than 20 minutes or whatever it was against the Leeds side that was already done and dusted. There wasn't that same intensity to that game. He hasn't yet gelled with the team. We don't really know how to use him and. There weren't the options for him Listen, or for us. Like his expectation level is through the roof. I mean, I know, Jamie, you've been begging for this signing for like over 12 months, right? But over the and course of a season, not not to come in in one game and like turn our fortunes around when he's when he's, you know, barely got off the plane. 
I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing Sancho's at the club, and I think I think over the course of the season, I think he'll prove to just be an enormous asset. But bringing him in today, you were excited, thinking, right, let's let's push on. But as Alex has already touched on, that's that performance after we scored was so frustrating because we just went back to this, this ponderous pace, not trying to actually move the ball with any real ferocity at all. We were just letting Southampton dictate the game. It's so difficult to come in and try and have any sort of impact as a forward player if you're not even receiving the ball, if the ball's literally not even getting to you at the other end of the pitch because in the midfield you're just constantly losing possession. It's just getting turned over all the time. No matter how many times you win it back, you just constantly give it straight back to the other team. And that you could, I think you could see that frustration building in the forward players because they were very rarely seeing the ball. There was there was just nothing coming from the midfield. Oh yeah, the, the last twenty minutes was absolutely disgraceful. The other thing as well is like I know we've kind of already touched on it, but I think there was three or four times in that last fifteen minutes where, as we've already said, Southampton let Wambasaka have the ball. Sancho's maybe 20, 25 yards in front of Wambasaka down the right side. Not one pass found him. Every single pass was straight into touch or massively overhit towards uh, the Southampton fullback rather than anywhere near Sancho. And I, I, can't, I keep going on about it, but that's what I'm on about when I say about like just being sensible in possession and just keeping the ball. The amount of times in that last 20 minutes, like, I think I wrote in like the, the group chat, like God Almighty Luke Shaw, because Luke Shaw ran forward, done really well, won the ball back and couldn't even pass the ball 10 yards to his left to whoever it was, Pogba or Greenwood, who was waiting for the ball. He just couldn't even pass the ball, passed it straight to Ward-Prowse. But that was happening time and time and time again in the last 20 minutes, which kept giving the ball away. And I think, yeah, Ole does obviously recognise it's not going well because then he does make another change in midfield. Uh, I mean, I was maybe slightly surprised to see Fred come out rather yeah, than so Matic that. at that point. McTominay comes in and, yeah, that to me was slightly strange. I don't know whether Fred had any kind of knock or something for me is the only kind of reason why or all I, I know he's also played two matches, whereas obviously Matic is supposed to be fresher. Um, but yeah, it was slightly weird to see Fred come out as opposed to Matic. It didn't seem to make much difference. And, you know, instead, in fact, we were pretty lucky that De Gea makes a save from uh, Armstrong. And, you know, on the XG, in fact, I'm surprised that their XG wasn't a bit higher because that seemed like almost an absolute sitter. Um, and But yeah, as I say, at the end of the day, it just the XG says we are unlucky here. Two point, what was it, Alex? Two point one five versus zero point six two. Yeah, but like it, it's it's kind of like double counting some of those set piece chances at the front end, right? And then I don't know, like when, like if you were to consider half time a clean break, you know, considering at that point we weren't able to convert the one point seven that we had, then what have we done with with the other point five? And to only have five shots after. You know, after getting that yeah, next true. goal, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that we are unlucky, regardless of what the XG says. Personally, I think if we were to to have won today, then you would see it as a bit of a lucky win, not not a smash and grab. Of course, you know we had more possession and we had more chances, but personally, I don't think that we had the chances, especially considering the context of when the chances came to say that we deserved the win. The draw was the was the right result. Yeah, I mean they probably have had the best chance in the game. Yeah, that Armstrong yeah, one. 
and it, and that was more bad finishing than a good save, wasn't it? As well, he read it well, but yeah, he, yeah, it was a decent needs, save, but it's closest to he him. needs to score that. I mean, I like I like Armstrong. I think he'll actually do all, do all right in the Premier League. But De Gea just read what he was going to do. It was too easy for De Gea to anticipate that it was it was going to be a low shot to his left. Absolutely, he needs to be put in that way. I'd be disappointed if one of our players wasn't put in that way. And I actually thought that in terms of our shape, Nick, you mentioned that maybe at times it's more of a four three three. Now it is a bit of a weird one. It seemed kind of like a bit of a four two 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 as well at points. And Pogba and Martial were to the left, and then Greenwood and Bruno to the right, and mm. then when when Sancho came up, I felt that there were multiple times where Sancho and Bruno were basically treading on each other's toes and running on top of each other, and there was actually one time where we were breaking, and they were basically just getting in each other's way, and it should have been a good break, but they're that close together that I think when, I think it was Bruno released the ball, Sancho, Sancho just had nowhere to go and, and no one to pass to, and it, yeah, I remember nothing that. ended up coming of it. I think he actually had to turn or cut it back. And I mean, that kind of thing, you can just say, yeah, look, they're not going to be on the same wavelength yet. And Sancho did end up on the left a couple of times as well. well I guess that's the, that. I guess something that we can say from both of these last two games is that there's clearly quite a bit of fluidity in yeah. the positioning of our players and allowing them to swap around and and take up spaces that they, they think are prominent in that moment. And that I'm more than fine with that, and I think that's great. But at the same time... We just have to be conscious and careful that it doesn't result in players getting in each other's ways and and actually and closing out the space because it did mean that the only real width that we had was Wan Bissaka and Shaw and, and mostly really Wan Bissaka. He you know isn't productive enough with it and doesn't have the quality to really make something work from the time and space that he's consistently given. So I do think that's a bit concerning. And, you know, what Jamie was saying earlier about those Wan-Pisaka balls not making it to Sancho, I am a little bit concerned about what that partnership will produce and yeah. the impact that, that Wan-Pisaka could have on Sancho's ability because he does need someone who he's able to play off who can... I mean, if you look at the goal, for example, that we, we haven't really talked about, but there's Pogba on the left-hand side, he brings the ball in and then just before he plays that one-two with Bruno, just before... Shaw makes that run on the outside and you see the defender who's one-on-one with Pogba take half a step to his right to try and cover um, if the ball's played on the outside to Shaw and it gave Pogba that split-second opportunity to play into Bruno. Are you going to get the same with Wan-Bissaka and are we going to see the one-twos needed or at least the potential threat of a one-two getting Wan-Bissaka in behind to then deliver a quality ball or the opportunities for Sancho to bring it inside because the opposition team are concerned with the threat of Juan Bissaka. That that is something that I think, you know, is a bit concerning for, for the season and, you know, something that we'll have to keep an eye on. Not that we can do anything about it, but you know, we can <laughs> moan about it, I guess. Yeah, and you know, like we talk a little bit, you know, the transfer window is still open. And Jamie, obviously you said midfield is the priority. I still think that the most likely signing if we get one more in might be Kieran Trippier. I wouldn't uh, mind that either. I think that Jamie. Yeah, I mean, it is, he is a good player, but yeah, we know the issue there is obviously the clubs are far yeah. apart on valuation. But yeah, these things can change when you get towards uh, the closing stages of a transfer window. So yeah, there is still another, I don't know what, another 10 days or so still left yet. Um, mm. You know, we've had a lot of players going out on loan. So yeah, there is kind of spaces in the squad. We've not had any permanent transfers. Uh, you know, I think maybe people looking at money coming in from maybe 
Dallo or Pierre Pereira. Lingard as well has been uh, linked with leaving, but you know he actually gets minutes today. Ole has said he would be an important part of the squad this season, and you know he has said things like that before. And I remember him saying something like that about Alexis Sanchez, like literally like the day before he then left and signed for Inter Milan. Um, so yeah, it doesn't always mean a lot. But him actually throwing him in as the last kind of substitution today to me says that yeah Ole does think that he can be part of the squad over here I did actually see quite a lot of you know Twitter outcry about that substitution uh, which I actually thought it was quite a bold substitution to take out Matic quite clearly like holding defensive uh, midfielder and bring in an attacking player in Lingard I mean I actually wish Ole made more bold decisions like that earlier on in the match is, is that bold when you've got Hogba and McTominay and four defenders on the pitch against the Southampton team who are five at the back and were happy to and would have been more than happy with a draw? I don't know that it's that bold. No, but like you say, more than I happy. actually thought it was another example of of, of Ollie's usual substitution of wait as long as possible, leave it a bit late, and then just bring on as many attacking players for more defensive-minded players as possible. That's, you know, typically what he goes for, rather than trying to think about the craft of Van der Beek or changing up the system properly. Just, oh, we'll, we'll take a defensive-minded player and we'll put someone who's a bit further up the pitch on. And see but I've actually rarely, and... rarely ever seen Ole do that. He'll go light He does it light. all the time. He does it all the time. Like, when he, he makes the substitutions too late, but when he does, it's usually just bringing on... We've, we've seen multiple times like where we're just like. having... Not, not, no, not, not necessarily like for like. Like, I, I think we've seen plenty of times where we've just taken a defensive midfielder off. It's happened with Matic multiple times last season. It's happened with Fred, where we've taken one of them off, and then we're just left with four or five attacking players who are just treading on each other's toes and getting in each other's way and... And not really producing anything. No, I do not remember that happening often at all. Uh, I think Ole's subs are always usually more like like for like. And as I say, like online, people are going a bit crazy about that sub. Not when we're not when we're chasing the win, like like for like generally. Yeah, no, I know when, when we're, we're losing. I've seen him do that. Going for a win. I've seen him do that when we're losing matches when you've got nothing to lose. But when we're actually still in the balance at like one one, and as we said, Southampton had the better chance, and we're actually more like looking like. Like they might have gone for a goal to then take out your most like holding player. I actually thought it is a bold move at that point, and I wish Ole done something like that much earlier on in the game. Um, I saw a lot of people actually. The reason they were upset was they say, "How can you take Pogba away? Who's the one who's created all our chances?" But you know, we have seen Pogba can also create from deeper positions, and we definitely needed to change something up. Uh, and you know, we weren't managing to get any kind of link between the kind of midfield and attack, you know, as we've we said ourselves. So, yeah, to drop in Pogba and see if he can play like longer balls in, I thought made sense, but he wasn't pulling off those balls. It was a couple he was where he was trying to hit the fullback. Uh, there was one he went long to Sancho, but he just didn't make it. There was another one as well where he'd gone long on the left side and didn't make it. So I think that had been the plan there, dropping in Pogba to try and play longer balls into players going on the end of it, but just, uh, I don't know yeah if he's showing a bit of tiredness at that point he wasn't making those balls at all um and yeah I actually like I say for me the only sad thing in that change is that it wasn't done earlier uh you know we talked a lot about the game management um and yeah look the one point is we're not losing that's where you sometimes do see this kind of just throw caution because there's nothing to lose it is 1-1 it is still in the balance there and as we said if De Gea doesn't save that we can easily lose this game 
Um, I, you know, I personally didn't have that bigger issue with that substitution. Um, but yeah, I don't know where you think it leaves Lingard, though. Do you think, uh, um, Jamie, you think he still might leave yet before the end of this? I, to me, that him coming on in this game says that I think Ole wants him to be part of the squad this year. I think Ole wants him to stay, but I still think he'll leave purely because he seems to have greater ambitions in terms of playing time rather than just putting up with sitting on the bench most of the time at Man United. Like, on his substitution, just first quickly, is I didn't think it made sense purely because, as I've just touched on about, like, Sancho and Greenwood, we weren't getting the ball to them anyway. So it just seemed a bit, like, fair enough throwing them on to try and see if we can go for it a bit because there's another attacking player. But that's where I thought, well, why not put Van de Beek on? Why not put somebody on who were struggling to get the ball anywhere in terms of the offensive third? So why not try and put Van de Beek in, get somebody who can actually get their foot on the ball, try and turn us and get us running at the opposition because it just wasn't working in the first place. But anyway, regarding Lingard, I do think he'll leave because I've seen, uh, I think it was Romano tweeted about it during the week to say that he wants a lot of assurances from United that he's definitely going to get playing time. It's not going to be a bit part sort of season for him where he plays the domestic cups, he maybe plays dead rubber Champions League fixtures or whatever it is. He wants to be playing. And I mean, the loan spell he had at West Ham was so successful. He played every more or less every single game. You can see the confidence was very, very high in him. He was getting plenty of goals and assists. So to come back to United where... As I said, he's on the bench. He's not going to be starting because, with all due respect to Lingard, there's better players than him that are going to start before him. So he might get situations like today where he's given a run out to try and help us go over the line. But he's not going to be given many starting games. And as much as I think Solskjaer would like to keep him for squad depth, and he is a good option, I don't think that's what Lingard wants because he's at a stage in his career where he needs to be playing. I'm kind of torn between would he leave this summer because obviously he can leave next year, which is not great from Man United's point of view um, because you would like to try and get something for him because he's proven in that loan spell at West Ham. He is a good, a very good Premier League player and we could get a good fee for him. But I think the only way he would stay is that he's thinking I can go for free next year and he might put up with it. But I do think he's got better amb- like greater ambitions in terms of playing time. So I could easily see in the next 10 days that he could he could leave yet. I don't think it means anything. Personally, I think it was a token substitution. When I when I talk about boldness as substitution, Nick, I'm as much talking about like the perception of a change taking off a defensive-minded player who isn't going to get a goal for somebody who, you know, has some productivity about them and can get goals and assists. And a more bold, I guess, how I'm using the word, would have been maybe taking a Bruno off and actually putting Lingard in the middle where he showed that he can he can produce last year and where all his form came from, just sticking him on for the sake of sticking him on and, and having him on the periphery for a couple of minutes isn't, to me, a bold substitution or really giving him the chance to go and have an impact. The other thing is that we really lacked the options today because we'd already brought Sancho on and, and Cavani and Rashford on around. So 
had they have been around, would we be bringing him on? Probably not. So I don't know that it means anything that he really came on today. And I think if he does stay at the club this summer, it's because we weren't able to get the fee that we wanted for him rather than because Ollie really wanted to have him around. I'm not saying that Ollie doesn't want to have him around as such, but when you've got him and Martial and Dan James who are going to struggle to really get near the first 11, and it's already going to be tight having Bruno, Pogba, Rashford, Cavani, Greenwood and Sancho, it's going to be really difficult to be giving Lingard game time. And for me, Lingard's only proven to really be able to provide that real productivity and usefulness when he's playing pretty regularly and just bringing him on every now and again or playing him in Carabao Cup games doesn't feel like a win for anybody. Yeah, fair enough. It will be interesting to see what happens. Is like I say, 10 days left of this window. Uh, you know, Jesse Lingard's definitely some speculation still being linked to West Ham, who are actually the only team, Premier League team, who haven't made any signings yet uh, this summer. So, yeah, let's see. Surely they will bring in somebody before the end of that window. And, you know, just wrapping up on the Southampton game. You know, after the match, Ole said he still thinks that we deserve to win that game. And, you know, he's talking about the kind of XG. And he also said that it's a foul on Bruno. I, you know, I can understand those kind of comments. I don't necessarily agree with either of those things. But, yeah, the biggest thing is just losing that momentum. You know, as we've said, that our squad is looking strong now. And we, after that just brilliant, like, party time last week, uh, you know, it almost feels like a bit like a loss. But, yeah. I think, as you said earlier, Alex, can't really overreact. It's not actually a loss. And in fact, we've gone in joint now equal for the unbeaten away record with Arsenal, right? I mean, yeah, it's not. I don't think it's really something to be shouting about. But yeah, it is actually a record we're at now of an unbeaten on the road. Uh, it's, so, it's so difficult to like, because ultimately there was a whole season with no fans, which obviously has a huge impact on a team's ability to be unbeaten over the course yeah, of the season. Definitely. And away ground, so it just like, compl- it's still impressive. Like, it's not like any other team last season did it. We were the team that did it. So it's still impressive and, and worth talking about compared to other teams last season. But it's hard to look at it from a historical perspective and put any real weight to the to the record. And this season, our away record's clearly going to be worse because fans will probably have a bigger impact than ever this year. And the, the new guidance that the referees have been given to allow games to, to be freer and more fluid and to stop calling for you know every single 50-50 foul. I think that the combination of refs allowing games to be freer and away fans being back in the ground means that we are going to have a much, much tougher time on the road this season. And that, that's why we really need to improve that terrible home form from last season. Basically, we need to improve our home form by more than we uh, more than we lose on, on the away side, right? Yeah. So that's going to be where it gets interesting, I guess. Yeah, and our next match is on the road against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, just before we get into that, I did want to give a shout again that, yeah, we gave out the Fantasy Premier League code last week. We had quite a few people joining in over there. Uh, So just to give it out one more time this week, and then I'm not going to do it again because I'm going to close it out after this one. Uh, Don't want any of you, you know, waiting to see how well you do and then (laughs) throwing your team in like halfway through. But yeah, the Fantasy Premier League code for the United Hour League is PX57IZ. 
And I think, yeah, a lot of people had a strong start last week and not as good this week. Although, yeah, oh, this week's been terrible. There's already rumours of Big Sam coming in to replace me this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they, I, I've seen a lot of people talking about wild cards and what. I've actually had a relatively good week this well week. Well done, you, week. Um, But yeah, let's see. I think it's the rest of you letting us down. Yeah, we're supposed to be showing our listeners, you know, our amazing football knowledge. But uh, I think we talked last week that we need to delete. Uh, Scottish Dave's team because he's definitely letting us down. I think I saw he's like right at the bottom of everybody. Uh, so yeah, um, but yeah, that's it. Get on that code. This will be the last time we'll give it out, and then yeah, we'll close new entrants over there. There will be a prize for the something off we'll find from somewhere. Uh, it might be my used Manscape trimmer after they send me a new one. But yeah, <laughs> we will see what we find for you. But yeah, as I say, Wolverhampton Wanderers next up. They've not had a good start to the season. Two 1-0 losses to Leicester and Spurs today. Although, yeah, quickly watching the highlights, understand they were unlucky to lose to Spurs today and didn't play too badly. Um, obviously, the big story off that match was Nuno, um, who was the Wolves manager and did so well for a long being at Spurs. And I know we had a little chat pre-match and we actually had to go and search to say, who is the new Wolves manager? Uh, you know, I just remembered it was some random Portuguese guy because there's no way Wolves can have anyone apart from a Portuguese guy as their manager. But yeah, who's this guy who's come in? Uh, I think you say large or large. I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce it. But yeah, I... This guy, I think, is pretty lucky to have a Premier League job. And it's only because he has some kind of English experience after I think he was assistant manager over at Sheffield Wednesday and Swansea. Plus that he's Portuguese, that he comes in over here. Um, he, don't, he has actually got on his CV that he won the Portuguese league with Benfica. But uh, I think he came in like partway through that season went on an amazing run, won it, then was absolutely awful the next season and left pretty soon on. Uh, so he was only there for about a year himself. And now, yeah, he shows up over here at Wolves. Um, they've not made that many big signings themselves and have even had a couple of decent players go out. Um, Raul Ramirez, uh, not Ramirez, Jimenez, is back for them after that terrible, terrible injury he had last year. But yeah, their season has not really started yet. And yeah, I, we said already last week that we should be winning all of these first kind of five, six games we've got written down and that's already out the window. Um, so yeah, we don't really know what to expect there. But Wolves also are playing midweek in the Carabao Cup against Nottingham Forest, uh, who I think just today actually have confirmed that they're taking James Garner on loan. So yeah, maybe he'll already feature against them in that game there. So it might be worth keeping an eye on. So yeah, hopefully, I, we, I don't know what kind of team they'll put out, if they'll take that seriously, or if it means we should have even less reason to be talking about tiredness or anything like that. Uh, I mean, look, it's not gone that well today, but you'd still surely be expecting a win next week, Alex. Against Wolves, it's... <laughs> well, against Nuno's Wolves anyway, it was always really hard to ever predict a win because... So boring. They were just so good at... You know, you could tell that he was a player under Jose Mourinho and really carried that through in his management because they were always so tough and difficult to break down with both that strong midfield and as well as being pretty organised at the back, it was difficult to, to really break through. So I don't know enough about this guy or how they're doing so far, how, or whether how they're doing so far is really an indictment on their quality and where they'll be this year because it is so early in the season. 
Rui Patricia, he he left, yeah. right? So they've got a new goalkeeper. And I've, I don't yeah. know anything about him other than that their last goalkeeper was a pretty good goalkeeper. <laughs> so um, I would assume that that to be a bonus. And then is Jimenez back? And is he is he playing and starting? Yeah, he's starting, yeah. You weren't listening to me two minutes ago, <laughs> were you, Alex? Because I was just talking about I how did, I did cut out for a moment, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, he, before his injury, was not prolific, but he was very productive and he was a really tough striker. I mean, it'd be interesting to, you know, if we were to put Varane up against him or whether it would be Lindelof, but he's caused us problems in the past, but I guess we, we don't really know, you know, what he'll be like after so long out of the ages. And I think last season they really struggled with, after losing Jota and then with his injury, they never really recovered from that. But we know that, you know, they're a good side that have been tough to break down in the past. So, I would never be hugely confident. We need we need a win. Like you know, like I said, one game in isolation doesn't mean anything. And we know that United and Dorali are capable of these long runs of winning form. We need to we need to get that momentum and, and, and that run on the go quickly. We can't afford to be dropping too many points this early in the season if we have any real title ambition. So it's important that by hook or by crook we do get that win next week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Jamie, you want to throw a prediction out there? I reckon 2-0. But just kind of quickly on Jimenez, I really liked him before his injury and that was a shocking injury he got last year. So mm. um, I know what Alice is saying because it's difficult to see and predict how players come back from bad injuries like that. But kind of on a side note, I do hope he does get back to somewhere near his best because I do like him as a player. I think he adds a lot to that Wolves team and he's just a, a good player to watch. So hopefully he does. But on Sunday, I'm expecting a win purely off of the fact that if we, to kind of echo what Alex is saying, if we're going to really challenge and kind of put a marker down for the league this year, we need to be bouncing back immediately. You can't be letting the malaise kind of set in and then we draw or lose on Sunday and then that just goes into the international break. So you've had a really good start, but a, a couple of poor results in a row immediately puts that pressure on. So I would like to see that on Sunday we rectify it, put in a good performance, win. It doesn't need to be any spectacular score line, but yeah, just a win, just, a, just put in a good performance and win. Yeah, no, as I say, yeah, Wolves have lost they've lost their other two games one nil and I'd be quite happy with another another one nil. Um uh, yeah, look, that was my prediction for the game is gonna be that we win it one nil. Uh, as I say, they've got to play midweek. So yeah, we have no excuses. We should be fresher even if they possibly might play a lot of kind of reserve players over there. I mean, yeah, they've changed manager, lost a couple of players, but they've still got a strong team. And, you know, a lot of eyes will be on Neves in that game because there is a lot of our fans who think he is the one just because he is that kind of um, more sitting midfielder who has a good kind of passing range. I think there's still question marks over his defensive ability. Uh, and that's why, yeah, if you look at somebody like Neves, that's why I sometimes think, well, people are going on about him, but I think Donny van der Beek can do pretty much whatever Neves can do. Uh, and it's like, you know, you wonder why he maybe doesn't get that chance. So we'll see from there. Uh, Alex, you want to throw out a prediction for this game? 1-0 as well. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't see it being an easy game at all. No, and luck, like I say, they've only lost by the odd goal. And it was even a penalty today. Um, so, yeah, I think they are still going for that kind of defensive solidity, kind of keeping on their system they had before, uh, even though it is the new manager. Um, 
I do want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped, who are continuing to help out the show. Uh, attention listeners across the galaxy. Our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job for the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com and use the code UNITEDHOUR for 20% off and free shipping. Um, so yeah, cheers Manscaped for keeping us going over there. Just before closing out, there has been a few kind of ins and outs, all a lot of loans actually, basically. As we said, James Garner has gone back to Forest. I think that's a good kind of loan deal for him over there. Um, Pereira, Andreas Pereira was one I think a lot of us thought might leave permanently, but it just looks like I think he's one of these players where we've given too good a contract on too high a wages, so it's difficult to now get rid of him. But he's going off to Brazil to play for um, Flamengo, uh, which is a slightly strange move, but yeah, he is in theory a Brazilian international, even though I think he's only ever played about five minutes for them at some point. I mean, they've got the option to buy, haven't they, next year? So you're just hoping he goes there, plays a lot, does well, and then they exercise that option next summer. Yeah, for me, it is a step down for him. You know, he was at Lazio last year in Serie A. He didn't do much, though, did he? No, he didn't play much. But yeah, like I say, it is definitely a step down. And it's just that's kind of the way his career is going, unfortunately. Uh, And, you know, he did have a couple of good loans out in La Liga uh, two or three years ago. And he's just, yeah, slightly lost in his career now. And yeah, look, if he can get things going again in Brazil, why not? As I say, that is actually his national team, even though he is actually born and raised in Belgium. uh, But he chose to play for Brazil. So yeah, all right, fair. Good luck to him having to go over there. Um, Then we see Ethan Laird is going to Swansea I think that's a good loan for him in the championship which is one step up last year he was at Milton Keynes in a lower division and it's the same manager actually who really wanted to bring him really? he's moved up from Milton Keynes interesting. yeah it's the same manager who worked with him okay. and wanted to get him in there and had been talking a lot that I really want him in and that this guy's a talent uh, I saw also a good review from um, I think it's Ethan Galbraith who went out to Doncaster Rovers and I think he had a good debut over there last week Chong apparently is doing pretty well at Birmingham from yeah. what I hear he got two assists yesterday didn't he and uh, yeah. I saw that there was one kind of report I think it was in the Birmingham local paper they said they couldn't believe that Birmingham had actually managed to get him because when he's playing at the moment he's clearly one of those very best players oh yeah look that's good to hear from him uh the only one who's managed to get himself a Premier League loan is Brandon Williams who we all see popping up at Norwich from time to time he was very much linked with Southampton uh you know and, and in fact man of the match was given to I think their young English right back who was making his debut today uh, so maybe that's why they didn't think they needed him over there um, the one other one that you might keep an eye on um, Jamie is uh, Dylan Levitt has ended up at Dundee United on loan for a year uh, so yeah you'll have to give us the uh, Scottish lowdown on how he's doing out over there. Yeah I'll definitely keep an eye on him I was, I was kind of pleased to see that one of the young boys did manage to secure SPFL loan deal so yeah I'll definitely keep an eye on Dylan and kind of report in on his progression through the season. And then, yeah, I think the two that people are kind of waiting to see what happens with them now are Ahmad and Alanga, um, you know, both of which I really have liked what I've seen of them. 
but you know need minutes i guess a lot will have to do you know if lingard comes or goes uh you know these kind of players could step up uh, and take those kind of places on the What's bench. What's the situation with Palestri as well? He's out at Alaves. He oh, went okay. back where he was last year, so he's okay, already over great. there and is playing. Uh, so, yeah, I think he should be a pretty regular over there. Like I said, it's a good sign that the club he was on alone not wanted him back. So, yeah, you'd assume he will get minutes. And like I said, in pre-season, I was quite impressed by him, actually. Uh, I think he's been coming on pretty well. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of our kind of players who are going out of done so now uh you know like i say there is still another 10 days of the transfer window left but uh you know some stories say we need to be selling and bringing in cash before we can actually buy anyone so yeah people thinking about whether it's Trippier, whether it's a midfielder uh you know if pereira's gone on loan and yeah maybe lingard is still the main one that we could actually bring some money in for so yeah let's see how it all pans out but yeah that's it from us right now we will be back after that wolves game uh, throw us out any questions or anything you want us to cover next time round and yeah we'll see you then good night from me Cheers, good night troops Podcast Network.